0: Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 13, Matthew chapter 13, and uh, it's good to be back. We uh, were away in Boston last weekend and very grateful for Jonathan Irby and him coming and speaking and teaching the word and grateful for him and, and the message that he delivered last week. Uh, we were in Boston and Carla, my wife, and Brooke Loving Good uh, were there speaking to a group of women that are part of Kings Hill Church in Boston. It's a church that we've uh, helped plant there. Jonathan Mosley's pastor came through UGA, went to Boston to go to seminary, and stayed and eventually planted Kings Hill Church. And um, four years ago, that church was not in existence. And to be there this weekend and see uh, about 20 uh, ladies that went on that uh, uh, conference retreat Friday and Saturday and back to their church on Sunday morning, and so much fruit to see uh, there. And we gathered on Sunday morning in a ballroom of uh, Hilton Hotel in downtown Boston, and about a hundred. Uh, people there in that room for worship that morning and so amazing to just think about uh, no one meeting in that uh, as part of that church so short of time and now seeing the fruit of the labor and um, of those hundred probably 95% of those were less than the age of 25 uh, probably a dozen different nationalities uh, Jonathan's preaching through the book of Ecclesiastes, just verse by verse, chapter by chapter, and uh, one of the things, you go there and you always learn, you pick up things that, that they do and, and people do in other places, and, and uh, every uh, time they finish teaching through a book of the Bible, they have cake, and I just love that, and and, and I thought, uh, 30 years of pastoring I've missed like 40 cakes and that uh, uh, they celebrate when they get through a book of the Bible uh, by having cake in their, uh, uh after their services just fun things like that we have a um, the, the guy that I, I met right behind me in that worship service his first name was Wasim and he um, was a first-year student at MIT and he was from the country of Grenada. And uh, he would found the church and he was there just um, hearing the word preached and, and uh, loving Jesus and uh, encouraging to see a lot of stories. That night we stayed for baptism and they had two people that publicly professed their faith in Jesus uh, by uh, just being publicly baptized there. And so glorious to see that. We've got a group of students there uh, right now, uh, this room feels the effect of our college students being on spring break more than any other spot uh, today, but we've got 20 college students in Boston. They arrived there yesterday. Robbie Wolfel, our missions pastor, and John Chanel, our college pastor, is there with them. Uh, this week, they'll be using the Great Exchange gospel-sharing uh, gospel sharing, uh Process on campuses there in Boston. They'll be passing out granola bars at the t stop and just working to try to uh, share the gospel, meet people, invite them to connect with Jesus throughout this week. And pray for our students as they are there serving uh, this this week. Um, I want to pray for us, and then we're going to look in Matthew chapter thirteen. Continue our study there, Father. We are grateful to you today for. The way your kingdom is operating and advancing Uh, there is no geographical boundary to where you rule and reign thank you today for the fruit that we're seeing in Boston as people hear the good news of Jesus and respond take steps to follow you in baptism we thank you for Kings Hill and pray for them today I, I think Lord about Uh, even last week how that church was sending their first mission team to Canada Uh, and that go from just that disciples making disciples so beautiful thank you for that and I pray that this week with our students there in Boston that you would use them help them be effective bring them into the paths of people that need to hear the good news I pray for Robbie and John, as they lead that team, that uh, it'd be a, a strong week for the kingdom there. Help us today, Lord. We want to hear from you. Uh, in, this, in this hour, in this time, Spirit of God, would you teach, would you convict, would you change us, transform us, and pray there wouldn't be anything in our lives that would quench your spirit, quench your spirit from working in this room and in our hearts right now. I pray for those that are saved to be encouraged and to be transformed, to be more like Christ. We pray, Lord, for those in the room maybe that have here have not been saved, that have not trusted you, Jesus, that today will be a day where they uh, hear the good news and respond and believe and have eternity changed forever. Thank you for your word that we can open it and study it, and we look forward to you showing who you are in the text today in Jesus name amen so here's a question for you Um, how many of you did enough this week to get into heaven how many of you did enough this week to get into heaven Your, your, your mind wrestles with that question just a little bit. Wait a minute, what, what, is, what does he mean by that? What is, how was my week? Um, I think back over the last seven or eight days and I think, okay, did enough to get into heaven. Let's add it up. Let's do some inventory. Do some accounting. Pretty good seven days. I went on a mission trip. I um, shared the gospel a couple of times in Boston. Um, gave my uh, monthly tithe this week. I was in church last Sunday. I'm back today. That's two in a row. Um, I, can, I can, it's, it's like you, you think, if I went to heaven, this would be a good week, but not last week. I'm glad it wasn't the week before. Or, we can, we can paint a pretty good picture from time to time. I won't go any further than that. I I'll protect myself. I'm the one speaking, so I won't get into the bad stuff of uh, the week. Um, we, we, we think about that question for just a moment. Did I do enough to get, get into heaven this week? Just a moment with that question. Aren't you excited to say that doing enough is not the standard that's required for heaven? The standard for being a part of the Kingdom of God is not doing enough. The standard for going to heaven is not doing enough. The good news is that we go to heaven because someone else has already done it all. Someone else did enough. And His name is Jesus. And that's the good news. That's the good news that we have the privilege to stand here Gathering after gathering after gathering to say that the standard for eternal life is not us doing enough. The standard for eternal life is us believing. Us believing in the one who has paid it all. Us believing in the one who did enough. How do we go to heaven? How do we gain entrance into the kingdom? How does Jesus become our king? How do we have eternal life? There's one right response to that and the one right response to the king is belief it's faith it is as uh, as clear as the verse perhaps memorized more than any other for god so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have eternal life that's good news I we were in Boston there last Sunday and I was in a listening position I was sitting in the room listening to the music singing with the music but listening to Jonathan preach and I found myself in a new room uh, having only been there once before and I, I thought you, you I, do y'all wonder how I listen to a sermon. Do you think that I'm like uh, saying amen after every statement, or saying praise the Lord or come on after every statement? I actually was sitting there, and about 20 minutes in, I thought, I'm acting like a lot of people in our church back home. I ain't saying a thing, and I and I kind of analyzed that, and I thought to myself, it makes sense. I'm in a new room. I don't know these. I don't know their language. I might say amen and their security team might usher me out. I mean, I have no idea what the language is in in the room. And I thought I wanted to come back this morning and say to you that um here's our language, all right? It's amen. It's come on. It's That's right. It's uh it, it it's uh clapping not for performance it's clapping for praise it's clapping for gratitude and so if you're new in the room I just I just want you to know that participation is allowed all right and uh, when when we uh, think about things that um, God has done and God has provided there are some things that just call for response And what is that response? That response that uh, for us, when we hear the good news of Jesus, the response that the king expects is belief. It's faith. It's trust. It's not being better. How ridiculous would it be for Jesus to come and live a sinless life and die on on the cross in order that we might try a little harder? We we have um, a tendency to do what Alistair Begg says. He says, we, we want to be achievers, not believers. We constantly are lured back to the false religion of self-effort. And the good news of Matthew 13, 14, 15, and 16 is that Jesus commends faith and he rebukes unbelief. Let's look at it together matthew chapter 13 a little bit of a new testament survey here through chapters 13 14 15 and 16 we're learning about king jesus we're learning about the kingdom that's the theme of the gospel of matthew it's all about the king it's all about the kingdom it's about king jesus and the kingdom of heaven and we have worked through up to about chapter 13 jesus begins to teach in parables parables are Stories kind of, they they give an, an, an allegory or an analogy that teaches a spiritual truth. And the parables that are in chapter 13 tell us about who's in the kingdom and who's out of the kingdom. These parables tell us that there are people who are in the kingdom and in God's eyes he knows they're in the kingdom. But in the world's eyes they may appear to be in the kingdom but they're not. There is a standard, there is a way that you're in the kingdom, and there's a standard or a way that you're not in the kingdom. There is division when it comes to the kingdom of heaven. Some eternally are in, some eternally are out. And and Matthew 13 walks through the characteristics of the kingdom of heaven, the, the, the traits of the kingdom of heaven, the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Just for example, there's a parable here in verse 24 of 13 that's the parable of the weeds. And, and he, he paints the picture that in the kingdom there's seed that are sown, that are good seed. And then the enemy comes in and he sows things in the, in the field and they sprout up. In the, and when they sprout, the wheat and the tares look just the same, but they're different. And there's, a, and there's this question of, should we go in and weed out the kingdom? Should we go out and weed out the fields? And, and verse 30 says, let both grow together until the harvest. And at harvest time, I will tell the reapers, gather the weeds first and bind them in bundles to be burned, but gather the wheat into my barn. He's, he's showing the this traits and characteristics of the kingdom. When it comes to chapter 13 at the end verse 53 and he's back in his hometown look at it when jesus had finished these parables he went away from there and coming to his hometown he taught them in their synagogue so that they were astonished and said where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works is not this the carpenter's son is not this is is not his mother called mary And are not his brothers James and Joseph and Simon and Judas? And are not all his sisters with us? A little insight into Jesus' family. Where then did this man get all these things? And they took offense at him. But Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor except in his hometown and in his own household. And he did not do many mighty works there because of their what? Say it with me. Unbelief. And that begins to pop up in these chapters. Here at the end of 13, it happens in 14, it happens in 15, it happens in 16, where Jesus rebukes for unbelief, but he commends belief. He celebrates faith. He calls attention to a lack of faith. And as you work through... Matthew, you're, you're getting an introduction to King Jesus. You start back, just kind of back up with me just a little bit. Back in chapter 1, you have the genealogy of the king. You see the bloodline of how Jesus came to the point of being born and who his ancestors were. And you have this genealogy of the king. Then you have the anointing of the king. You see it at his baptism. Then you have the standard of the king. The standard of the king is what we call the Sermon on the Mount. You have chapters 5, 6, and 7 where Jesus teaches and he shows the standard of the kingdom, the standard of the king. This is what it looks like. And then you have the authority of the king. In chapters 8 and 9, you you have um, him working miracles of all different kinds. You see his authority. And then two weeks ago when we were together, we saw the expectation of a response to the king. You see his bloodline. You see his anointing. You see his standard. You see his authority. You see that he expects a response. And this week what we're saying is that 13, 14, 15, and 16 shows us that the expected response to king Jesus is not do better, not do more, it is believe believe on me trust me And I want to show you that as we just kind of work through these chapters and just see how he continues to commend faith and and ask yourself this not have you done enough but I would challenge you to ask your own mind your heart today have you believed have you believed on Jesus is he who you're trusting for your salvation? In chapter 14, the very first 12 verses, you get a parenthesis. It's kind of just, it's, it's, uh, it's fitted in between the end of chapter 13 and the rest of 14 and it's a a a backup look at what happened to john the baptist we mentioned that a couple of weeks ago and how he died and then uh, verse 13 it says jesus heard this he heard what he heard that uh john the baptist had died and he he knew that the it was becoming more hostile for him to operate in that area and he said he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. And then you have, two, you have two miracles. He does this first miracle in chapter 14 of the feeding of 5,000. He takes the bread and the fish and he feeds 5,000, not counting the women and children. And then there's a second Miracle, and that's Jesus walking on the water. Let's look there, verse 22. It says, Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he had dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And when evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten by the waves, for the wind was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. That was between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m. dark. They're on the sea. The boat by this time was a long way from the land between, beaten by the waves, by the wind. It was against them. And in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified now that makes sense doesn't it i mean if you're fishing next week on lake oconee between the hours of three and six a.m and you look up you see a friend walking on the water be afraid all right that makes sense and they were terrified and 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 said it's a ghost Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, O you of little faith, why did you doubt? When they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshiped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. Jesus is pressing on their hearts. He's pressing on them about their faith. Do you believe? Can you trust me? You've seen me break bread. You've seen me break fish. You've seen me feed 5,000 plus. You've seen me walking on the water. Where's your faith? Where's your belief? Where's your trust? End of chapter 14, he continues to heal. And then chapter 15, has this encounter with the Pharisees and again he presses them on their faith he presses them on their belief in fact he rebukes them for their lack of belief he rebukes them for them trying to do right in order to be right and look at it then the Pharisees and scribes came to Jesus from Jerusalem and said why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders for they do not wash their hands when they eat now, it's important to point out that this was not an Old Testament law that they were referring to. This was a man-made rule, a man-made law. They thought that if you outwardly washed your hands before you ate, that it would, uh, it would settle anything that was unclean that you had touched. And their way of getting by in their mind with being right with God, having touched unclean things was to outwardly wash their hands physically, and so they made this commandment, and that tradition became rule and law for them. And they said, why do your, why do your disciples? They, they don't wash their hands when they eat? He answered them, "Why?" He answered them, "And why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? You see, what, Jesus? Don't you know there's somebody in the crowd who's just been around long enough that when whoever that scribe was that raised that question and said, why do they break? The, they're just thinking in their mind, oh, no. Don't go there with Jesus. It is a setup. You, you, you don't want to debate Jesus and, and they asked the question, and Jesus said, you're asking about tradition? Well, let me ask you about commandments. You say, if anyone tells his father or his mother what, what you would have gained from me is given to God, he need not honor his father. So for the sake of your tradition, you have made void the word of God. You hypocrites. Well did Isaiah prophesy of you when he said, the people honors me, the people... This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. Again, he's pressing. He's pressing them on their thought that if you would just do the right thing, you could be right, you could be okay. And Jesus pressing again. Where's your faith? Where's your faith? Where's your faith? In verse 10, And he called the people to him and said to them, Hear and understand. It's not what goes into the mouth that defiles a person, but what comes out of the mouth. This defiles a person. Then the disciples came and said to him, "Do you not know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying?" Please find the humor in that, and you, don't don't you just wish for a moment you could see the eye roll of Jesus? Right, hey, you know the Pharisees were offended. Jesus is like, oh me, you know, okay. Uh, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? He answered, every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be rooted up. Let them alone. They are blind guides, and if the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. But Peter said to him, explain the parable to us. He said, are you also still without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into the mouth passes into the stomach and is expelled But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defile a person. But to eat with unwashed hands does not defile anyone. And every eight-year-old boy in the room says, (laughs) Amen. They're pressing on It's outward, it's outward, it's outward, and Jesus is pressing on. It's inward, it's inward, it's inward. You honor me with your lips, but your hearts aren't right. Do you believe? And he encounters now one who perhaps would be the least likely to believe, a Canaanite woman. She wasn't a part of the Jewish bloodline, and she comes, and Jesus experiences something very surprising. In the crowd that he was running with. Verse 21, and Jesus went away from there and withdrew to the district of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out and was crying, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David, my daughter, severely oppressed by a demon. I'm really looking forward to meeting her one day verse 28 then Jesus answered her "O woman great is your say it what faith great is your faith be it done for you as you desire and her daughter was healed instantly the story goes on Chapter 15, again, there's this event of feeding thousands of people. This time it's 4,000 with a different number of loaves and fishes with a different number of baskets collected. He, he, He does more miracles than he teaches about the danger zone of what the Pharisees were teaching. He brings up faith again to the disciples in chapter 16, verse 8. And then at the end of chapter 16, you see that Jesus knows exactly who he is and where he's going. It says, verse 21, chapter 16, From that time Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. It's just, it's really encouraging as you work through the gospels to just write out in the margin every time something like this comes up, just two words, He knew. He knew. He knew that he would suffer. He knew that he would be killed. He knew even that on the third day he would rise back to life. He knew. Trust me. Believe in me. And let me close with just a couple of comments of application here on this press toward faith. The Pharisees wanted the people to behave and follow the rules. Jesus wanted the people to believe and follow him. And when we're talking about the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, that's the difference. The kingdom of darkness, outward behavior, follow the rules. Kingdom of heaven, believe and follow Jesus believe and follow him believe what believe what Jesus did when Jesus was teaching when he was walking through these chapters it was in the it was in his future for us it's in our past in his future was suffering and dying and rising back to life in our past is Jesus who suffered who died and who rose and when we believe in Jesus we're believing that he's the promised Messiah. He's the one that came to live a sinless life, to die on a cross, to pay for our sins, would be buried and rose back to life, giving us the guarantee that when we believe and trust in him, we too shall live forever. That's good news. That's, our, that's our, it's where we believe. It's not just some believe in some Imaginary thing, not believing a good person. It is believing in Jesus and the work that He did in pain. He did it all for us, and we follow Him. We trust Him. We find our peace in Him. Have you believed in Jesus? Have you trusted on Him? Colossians one verse thirteen. Listen to how Paul brings it all together. Colossians 1:13, He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. What peace. What good news. The Pharisees were, they were wringing their hands, almost literally wringing their hands. In a panic, they wanted to shut Jesus down. Every time they encountered him, they would go away looking for a way to kill him, looking for a way to get rid of him. And they're, they're, it's like they're in this urgent panic to shut Jesus down. It's the, 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 the Pharisees, you might say, they're, they're having a temper tantrum on every page. They're in a panic attack. The outward was being crumbled away. And Jesus was saying, it's inward, it's heart, it's believe, it's trust in me. Paul said, for by grace are you saved through faith, not of yourselves, it's not by works, so that no one can boast. I was given a chart uh, to look at just a few days ago from my oldest son and texted it to to us and he said, look at this. And it it was a graph. And this graph had four lines on it, and it measured time from year 2000 to year 2018. Each of those four lines were uh, tracking the mental, health, and emotional issues, in this case, particular case, of young girls. And the four lines were tracking the mental and emotional issues of young girls and Four categories: uh, attempts of suicide, attempts at self and body harm, uh, despair, and depression. And um, those four categories, and despair in there, you can depression, you can lump anxiety in there, and it and it showed starting in year two thousand those four measurements those four trends and as you move from 2000 ahead 2001 2002 2003 the the lines were just on the graphs just kind of doing like this just bouncing up and down just bouncing up and down until you get to 2012 and when you hit 2012 just like that just shoots skyrockets and just keeps going in that same skyrocketing trajectory. Now, that happened, I mean, it's literal on that 2012. Do you know what happened in 2012? Any guesses? I hear a few whispers. 2010, Instagram was introduced to the world. 2010. 2011, what was it? Snapchat was introduced into the world. By 2012, attempts of suicide, bouts of depression and anxiety, despair, and self harm by 2012. What happened? A group of people have been pounded like never before about the world's value of perfection and outward looks, views. I don't mean just skin looks. I mean just scenery, just being in the right place, being with the right people, looking the right way, wearing the right things, doing the right stuff, pounded in the outward, resulting in a society wringing their hands because they can't measure up to the outward. Can you see why Jesus Christ is such good news? Because God himself says, I don't look on the outside, I look on the inside. With your lips, you can sound good. With your hands, you can look good. But it's about your heart. And the good news is, is that if you find your life in the person of Jesus Christ, and you lose this life that the world is offering, just give up on it, and find your life in Christ, Jesus says, that is actually where you find real life. Oh, the peace, oh, the peace for every young heart Oh, the peace for every old adult if our faith is in Jesus Christ alone. That we would follow Him for our peace. We would follow Him for our value. We would follow Him for our joy. We would follow Him for real life. Father, would you in this room today set free some people from wringing their hands in anxiety and let us find our peace in you, in Jesus, Jesus what you've done for us thank you for dying, thank you for paying a debt we couldn't pay thank you for being the perfect we couldn't be thank you for going to the cross in our place that we could live And Father I pray that pray that you would capture some hearts today, some minds today and there would be a celebration of faith. And Lord, I just pray As believers, as Christians, that you would set us free from world worries. Let us find our peace in who you are and what you've done. And I pray, Lord, a boy, a girl, a man or a woman in this room, I call out to you today and be saved. They find their peace in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.